Well, we'll get straight into our Bible study into First Peter chapter 2. And verse 12. <clears throat> it's good that we can sort of keep an outline in the WhatsApp so that you know where we're at and don't lose the place because we don't spend a whole lot of time. Therefore, we don't cover a whole lot each Wednesday evening. But we're in verse 12. And if you have that outline... We're looking at our responsibility as pilgrims, verse 11 and 12. And last week we looked at we're to have an attitude of difference. We are different. <laughs> and uh, the world should know that we're different. If we are the same and do the same things and go to the same places and talk the same language, I mean, <clears throat> use the same words, then <clears throat> we're not different. And we are to be different. We are to have an attitude of denial. That's not denying truth or anything, but denial of self, denial of sin, denial of Satan, doing those things only that please the Lord as pilgrims. So difference, denying the flesh and the lust of it, and in fact fleeing if we have to, and following and fighting in those that reference there in the New Testament. And we're to have, and we looked close with this one last week, we're to have <clears throat> an attitude of discernment. We are to discern. Who, who are the individuals that have very little discernment? <laughs> well... Could be. Babies. <laughs> I was going to, didn't know how to phrase the question, but they don't have a whole lot of discernment in what they eat, for instance. They can put anything in their mouth. It's, you have to keep the floor clean. And <laughs> so they don't just pick it up and put it in. They'll try a blowy, they'll try anything. That's down there, dirt off your boot, off dad's boots. But <clears throat> Christians. Yes, when we're young Christians, there might be a lack of discernment, but we still, we, I mean, we soon learn that we're to have that discernment. And uh, we looked at Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 5 in relation to that. Have an attitude of discernment. And we have someone that's warring against our soul. He wants to bring us unstuck at any time and ruin our testimony. And we're to watch what we think. Satan knows our weakness, weaknesses and he will try to trip us up, ruin our testimony, ruin our lives for ministry as soon as he can. As soon as we change sides, he's fine as long as we're on his side. <clears throat> then, then we look now, this evening, we move on to have an attitude, fourthly, as pilgrims of a dignified deportment, our conversation. Now it's just... Dignified deportment is because it, it goes with the rest of the outline. A faithful admonition. Verse 12. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. <clears throat> it's sad to say, but I've heard it said by non-Christians, 
that the worst people to do business with is who? Christians. That's not good. That's because we haven't got a good conversation. And this is exactly what this is talking about. We shouldn't have, well, whoever it is is doing it. Maybe we've been involved ignorantly, maybe deliberately, but have caused people to stumble, unsaved people. And uh, it's a faithful admonition here that is given our having our conversation honest. And the conversation is not just our talk in conversation, but it's our behaviour, our lifestyle. Uh, <clears throat> having an honest conversation, an honest lifestyle, honest Goodness that is beautiful to behold is the way the Bible dictionary put it. Peter said in Acts chapter 10 verse 38 that the Lord Jesus went about doing good, acting as a a benefactor of God's blessings, and he did. And when John the Baptist was imprisoned and he he said, are you or he or do we look for another? And then the Lord Jesus said, go and tell him. This is what's happening through my ministry. These are the good things that I'm doing. And others are benefiting from all those good things. And go about doing good, doing good. And it's surprising how many times, and we'll look at a few of them in a moment, that word is used of Christians, doing good, doing good. Uh, Good men like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea recognised the Lord Jesus' goodness. They recognised that. That's why they were there to take his body and give it, give his body, the Lord's body, a burial, as they did. But evil Gaius and the Pharisees hated the Lord Jesus as he exposed their badness, their wickedness. They weren't good. <laughs> they were they were bad. First uh, <clears throat> Peter chapter three and verse eleven. It's just across the page from where we are. First Peter three and verse eleven. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. He that loves life and will see good days, do this. That's verse 10 it says, and then eschew evil. Don't do it. Don't mix with it. Don't mingle. Don't have it in your life. But do good and seek peace and ensue it. I pray that we do do good. Um, Do good to whom? Who are we to do good to? Here's one, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. One of those good conversations, that that good behaviour that we're to have in Galatians 6 verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. As we have opportunity. Who can share something where you've had an opportunity to do good to a non-Christian that your conversation might be good and, uh, and, a, and a testimony to them? Is there anyone that has had an opportunity like that? Not, not asking you to boast, but just tell the story. Never gone down the road and seen someone stuck? Never helped someone out? Oh, you must have done some good somewhere. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, someone in need and uh, done, done. Well, I remember where a good deed was done to me by a person that 
I didn't know at all. In <clears throat> he was driving down the road at Mackensfield and the road's on top of the hill and I was down working in here and I'd been pushing dirt into a dam and I pushed it out and then it all went and I was sitting on the pad and it went down in the mud in the dam and he was driving along with his backhoe and he saw and he, he, drove, he, he turned around now a little road come back he said I'll be back <laughs> with a snatch and a block and tackle thing and a big long rope and he was, he's back in, he had to go into Emerald and come back to Mackensfield and he, he hitched on and ran a few times to get leverage on me onto a tree and out he pulled me and he did good and I want to pay him, I want to give him, no, you wouldn't take anything. But that, that's the sort of deed that you, you remember that fella for, he's since passed away. <clears throat> but he, he didn't only do it to me, he's, he was known in the community to do that sort of thing for people. And so doing good. And, and not expecting something in return. Let's think of First uh, Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18. Here's another one that's a reference to doing good. <clears throat> Three times in two verses the word is used. That they do good. This is the conversation we're to have. Do good that they be... This is talking about rich people. They be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. So a good foundation, good and rich in good works. And a a good foundation. (laughs) Because we do that, there's going to be a good foundation in eternity for those that go there. These things will be rewarded. What did Jesus say? We say it often. A cup of cold water done in my name will have its reward. And so think of those things that as a Christian, you're going to have that behaviour so that people see the good testimony. There's an, over in James, there's a whole portion there that speaks in chapter 2 of it in verse 14 to 20 there. If you say you've got faith, but you don't have the works of the doing good and a good conversation and a good behaviour, can that sort of faith, can, that, can faith, and it means that sort of faith, save him. If it doesn't, our, our, our profession doesn't have these things attached to it, is it for real? And this is the way we get an opportunity. I think John was praying this evening, pray for opportunities to come. A good way to get opportunities is to, to do things for folks and to minister to them. And they may well open up. As it, it tells us that in Peter, I think that's uh, Ross's favourite verse, where it, uh, what does it say? Um, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason. Well, you've sanctified the Lord in your heart, you're doing the right thing, you're having a good conversation amongst people, and they then are, give you an opportunity to talk to them. In Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27 it reads there withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it has that ever occurred to you you see an opportunity to do good to have a good conversation and a good behavior before somebody and you turn the other way and now i'm too busy <laughs> I've got things to do, you know, I can't 
I can't stop right now. And that keeps eating at you after you go away and don't do what you should have done. <laughs> and you, there was an opportunity. And there might have been, that person might have been ready to hear the word too. So, hey, <clears throat> a faithful admonition that um, Peter gives here is to have a good, honest conversation, a good life, and present that to the, to the unsaved. There's another one, we're right near Psalm, Psalm 34 verse 14. It reads there, depart from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. There's many of the references there and others that you can find all through the Bible. There's a false accusation that comes here. When we do good, we might be falsely accused. Back in 1 Peter 2, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Now, who's Peter talking to? The Jews, the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Wait a minute, was that James? He said that to start with. Yes, now this one. Verse 1 of chapter 1, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So speaking to the Jewish people, saved people, the Israel of God, we say, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Now, if you're a Jew in that day, the the, the Jews were scattered all over the Roman Empire and um, they were up in Rome. And these that become Christians among them were told, and this would have been something hard for a Jew, and it would have been, it would have stood out because if a Jew did something for a Gentile, what would the Gentile think? What's wrong with that Jew? Because the Jews call the Gentiles dogs, but this one is a Christian Jew, and so would have really stood out. You can see that. That's where it's putting it into its context back there in the, in the time, back into the culture. And uh, would have really stood out as Peter is exhorting them to do this among the Gentiles. You know, a Jew helps you get your donkey out of a ditch or fix your flat spoked wheel or whatever. And, and you say, wow, you know, he's different. And they might have listened. That whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, that's what the Gentiles thought about Jewish people among them. <clears throat> and, and as Christians among unsaved people today, they speak, can speak of us as evildoers, they may be by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God. So <clears throat> there can be those false accusations that may come when we endeavour to do good. And, and people might say, well, what's your motive? <laughs> Well, yes, as Christians, we might have a, a bit of a motive. You know, we want to talk to you about the Lord. We want to share our faith. But the early church, remember, and particularly at Rome, by Nero, was accused of doing what? Christians were accused of burning Rome down. <laughs> when they say it was Nero himself that did the deed. But <clears throat> he wanted to bring an accusation. It's like the black plague. The Jews weren't dying like everyone else. And so they started, the Gentiles started saying they're spreading the disease. No, it's just that they were living more hygienically than the Gentiles were. That's why they weren't getting it. (laughs) But they were accused falsely. Christians, we can be accused falsely too. When you do good and suffer for it, later on in Peter it says, this is acceptable with God. That's a pretty high call. But they will cast the accusations. Um, Like Saul did against David, I've written down here. 
in 1 Samuel 24. And he was accusing David of this, that and the other. And David had opportunity to, to nail him to the floor, I mean, to the cave floor. But did David do it? No, he did take a bit off his garment <laughs> and he, he felt bad about doing that. And he got on the other side of the hill the next morning and said, Saul, where's this from? You know, This little bit, have a look down. <laughs> it's from yours. I could have nailed you tonight, but I didn't. And, and, and Saul was smitten. He said, ah, oh, you're such a good man, David. <laughs> you know, what am I doing chasing you? But he, he couldn't help himself. He, 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 let, he let it off then, but he came back after him. <clears throat> so David did as this verse tells us to do when uh, these things are against us. We do good toward those that are doing it. Um, <clears throat> there's a false, a future, sorry, affirmation here of those that do this. By your good works, back in this is Second Peter 2.12, having a conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may behold your good works which they shall which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation now how does that fit in glorify God in the day of visitation <laughs> what well, visitation <laughs> what day of visitation what do you think it is what is it talking about here Okay, it, is, it involves the Lord coming and it, and it may well be that he comes to those people that behold these Christians, that are, these Jewish Christians that are doing good and God comes by the Spirit to convict them of sin, righteousness and judgment to come and that person can become a, can become a Christian. Their day of visitation, you might say, where the Holy Spirit ministers to them. That could mean that, but... It probably means in the day of visitation in the future when God comes, the Lord comes. Uh, he presently watches over his creation. He's sovereign over all things and he gives grace or judgment to those, whether they be nations or individuals or families or churches or whatever, to grace or judgment as he visits with them. We can thank God for his visitations, even didn't, when we didn't know he was visiting us. <laughs> you know, the Lord is where? Where, where? where does the Lord? He's, he's everywhere. God is omnipresent. Though we think of heaven being in the sides of the north where he actually, the throne is, but he, he knows everything. He knows what's all going on everywhere with everybody. And not only on, in this world, but uh, in, in the universe. Um, <clears throat> looking at Luke chapter 1 Luke chapter 1 verse 67 and 78 no 67 and 68 <laughs> and then verse 78 <clears throat> and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and proclaimed saying Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Thank God for his visitation. Thank God that somewhere, one day, he came to visit your soul if you claim to be a Christian. Can you remember? When he came knocking. 
And in the day of visitation, some of these Gentiles will get saved that we're talking about in First Peter 2 will be very glad in the day that God comes. Because if it hadn't been for that contact on that occasion where that person, that Christian did good to me, then I might be lost for eternity in hell. And so they could, we could put it in that context. On the day that the Lord comes, people will be very grateful. The Lord does visit his people and redeem his people. Verse 78 of the same chapter of Luke. Through the tender mercies of God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. That's a great thought to think that God visits his people. He did it with Adam and Eve on a regular basis in the evening, a cool of the evening. And since we've sinned, it's, it's not like that anymore. But he does visit us. He's with us. <laughs> As Christians, he lives inside of us. And chapter 19 of Luke, 19 and verse 44. <clears throat> and he's speaking to the Jewish nation in a day to come and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee. This is talking about the destruction in 70 AD by Titus, not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. What a terrible thing it is for a human being to be visited by God, even as the, the generation of the Lord when he was here was, was personally visited by the Lord and didn't know him. And didn't want to know him. And that's what it's saying here. Because you knew not that God was with you. He was there convicting you. Doing good. Having a good conversation. And it will be good in eternity wouldn't it. If we could have the testimony where people will be able to say. They were a Christian among us. God did visit us through them. I remember their good works. Even even non-Christians, you know, like like Abraham, um, the rich man and Lazarus, and Abraham's bosom, and th- that, that that story there, you know, <clears throat> if that rich man had listened to that poor man, he could have got saved and have riches for eternity. But they will remember the time of their God's visitation through one of His servants among them. But God does visit, and I'm sure. For him to be just in judgment upon non, non-believing people that in some way, somehow, somewhere that God does visit people. You know the unsaved person when you talk about the Lord and his love and well what about the heathen in Africa? You know they've never heard. And, well what about you standing here? <laughs> you're hearing and you're not responding. God visits and will be just and the justifier of them who believe in Jesus on judgment day because he hath visited he hath visited and I, <clears throat> I pray that we've recognized that in and as you think back in in times past God has visited gracious visits to people the people of Israel to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to the patriarchs he visited them you can, you can go back in the Old Testament and find when he, he came down and, and had a, a talk. <laughs> Moses, the burning bush. And often he talked with Moses on the, on the mount, Mount Sinai. 
But then you go through the... Oh, and they didn't know exactly when it was going to happen. Like John on the Isle of Patmos in his old age, breaking rocks with a sledgehammer. And God did visit him. And I turned around to see the one that spoke with me. And being turned, I saw him that had... His hair was white like wool. You know, and he saw a great visage and he got a great revelation there. God did visit him. And you know not. And it might be through another Christian that God does visit you or an unsaved person, a Christian visiting them. But one day in the day of visitation when the Lord comes, I pray that we're all ready for that. They shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. As God wound this, this old world up like the old clock you used to have, maybe you still got it as an antique and wind it up, and he put it on the shelf and he said, tick away until you stop. <laughs> is, that what, is that what God has done to this world? No. No, he's, he's intensely interested in all that's going on. He, he knows everyone and all the thoughts of our heart. And so he hasn't done that. He visits, he's interested, he's, he's paying attention to what we do. He's recording our works. And so there's some thoughts for tonight I have others, but there's. Uh, yeah, I'll, leave, I'll leave them. We'll have more time for prayer. <laughs> God is sovereign. He's in control. Everything that happens here is passed by Him before it comes. Whether it be droughts or fires or famines or COVIDs, <laughs> wars, He is in. He is the divine overseer <clears throat> of all things. He was at Stephen's stoning. And with the patriarchs. God can, does and will use the life of good Christians as an indictment against those who are lost. They could see they needed to get saved. They knew there was a difference. God did visit them and they didn't respond. And he also uses his presence to inhibit things that could happen. (laughs) He, He that letteth will continue to let until he be what? Take another way. One day, too late. As far as the church joint, becoming a part of the church. And the opposite is true. The opposite is true. We can have a bad testimony. I pray, we started with the thought that, you know, there's a, been said by some unbelieving people, the worst people that they've had to do business with are Christians. That's sad. And I pray it's not true of you. Let's not make it true. <laughs> And um, Romans chapter 2 explains specifically, these are the things I weren't going to, wasn't going to talk about, <laughs> but there it talks, the name of God is blasphemed among you, among the Gentiles, because of your bad testimony. So that was talking to the Jews, Paul said, God is, as it were, not believed on, as it, despised even, because you've not lived the right life. Let's as Christians in these last days live a life that's so different, they'll say, what is it? (laughs) What have you got?